What's happening? I'm Phil Circle. Welcome to Life, Music, and the Pursuit of Answers. I don't know if I have all the answers, but I'll give it my best shot. Hey, this one's just me. I'm going to make it a fairly quick one, I hope, uh, but we'll see. I remember, remember, I don't edit any of these uh, unless a guest is on and they request it. So I'm going by the seat of my pants, but I am quite comfortable in this uh, chair here at my studio in Chicago, where I teach from and where I do all my work, um, as one of my students called it, the dojo. So what fascinates you? That's something I always want to know. Send me messages. Let me know what fascinates you, what you'd like to hear about, what, you, what you're interested in. Hey, who knows? Maybe I'll bring you on the show. You don't have to be somebody important to get on this show, because in my personal opinion, you're important, period. Uh, Shine, man. Be who you are. Be true to who you are. One of the things that I love the most in the world is music. Obviously, if I'm talking about uh, you know life, music, and the pursuit of answers, I put music right in the middle there because it seems to be kind of in the middle of everything. And I recently did a, a Twitter thing, um, a Twitter thing. It's you know I tweeted extensively, uh, and I expanded on it a, a, to a certain degree on YouTube and. Pinterest and LinkedIn and Facebook and you know, all the different places you can go find me. Um, and I, I did it mainly to just uh, share uh, 25 things I love about music. And quite frankly, I also did it as a promotional tool to let people know what I do. Not everybody out there knows who I am. They might be following me. They're just because they're following me. I don't know. Uh, but it's always a good idea, just if you want a little tip from the business end of things. I'm a creative person, and uh, I, I love to communicate. And I am not uncomfortable with the the fact that I need to do things to promote my work. Because I don't create it in a vacuum. I create it for people to enjoy it. So... Uh, add that to the fact that I am a communicator, that I love to talk to people about stuff, and that's what led to this podcast. And then you get a real idea of, uh, you know, why I'm comfortable going online and saying, here's 25 things I love about music, so you can now pay attention to the things I'm talking about and interact with me, because that makes me happy. I hope it makes you happy to interact with people too, because you know we're an interdependent species here. Um, yeah, in my book, I wrote about uh, another book. In fact, I, I mentioned several books in, in there just because I talk about my life as a musician, etc. And that includes being a musician, the business of it, the craft of it, uh, and then all the craziness of it and such. And one of the books I talk about in there when I'm talking about the craft of music is uh, a book called Drive. And it's, it discusses a series of studies that have shown the intrinsic motivation of human beings is to help each other and solve problems. Uh, I really like that. Uh, I like helping people, and I like to be able to solve problems. Man, who doesn't, you know? So, uh, uh, you know, again, I hope you like to interact there's, there's my reasoning. So let me get into the, the 25 things I love about music. So I'm going to rattle one off and say what I think and rattle the next one off. And I will put a break in here at some point. 
uh, just, you know, so you don't have to listen to me all at once or you don't stop it to come back to it later and uh, I'm right in the middle of a sentence or something like that. Uh, so just, you know, to give it a heads up. So uh, these are not in a rated order. That is, I don't love one of these things more than another. This is just the order they popped into my brain. So uh, here is uh, 25 things I love by music. Number one, writing it. So that was the most natural one for me to say first, right? I love writing it because, you know, that's what I do. I'm a songwriter. Um, <clears throat> What's well, something real funny that I've, I've experienced with people who, who are first writing music uh, with, you know, students of mine is uh, <laughs> I ask them, you know, if you've been, you, how are you writing songs? And they think, oh, yeah, I just started writing songs. They're all really depressing. And, <laughs> and I said, well, you know, there's a good reason for that. And it's not because, you know, you need to go to a shrink. If you need to go to a shrink, please do. But it's not because you have to, you know, the, you're, you're writing depressing songs. Because when we're having a really, really kick-ass day, we're not like, wow, I really need to go work this out. Where's my guitar? I need to sit down and, and ponder why I'm having such a great day. We don't care. We just go have a great day. But when we go to the arts, as we often do, for a therapeutic, from a, from a therapeutic standpoint or for a therapeutic tool, then we are more likely to be going there on a you know crappy day and trying to figure out what's going on in our relationship with ourselves or other people or the world or our our job or our you know, etc. So. If you're a, an aspiring songwriter or, or writer or artist of any kind, uh, or you're doing it as a hobby and you find that it's often kind of wow, this is dark. Uh, don't feel bad about it. Don't don't be weird about it, man. That's that's normal because again, that's when we go there. As it becomes a more consistent thing, then you know it's going to be something that you go to, to share with people what a great day you're having. And so these are some of the things I love about music. That we go right, we can, I can go right to it, and I can, I can, you know, spill my guts to a page, and, and in the moment you're creating something out of thin air. I mean, that's it's pretty magical. And as of this recording, I'm I'm 52 years old, and I find it really exciting at my age to, well, be excited about some little creative process to, to be excited about the con the ability to constantly go and challenge myself with anything. Uh, it really kind of keeps you youthful. So that's number one, writing about it. Number two, I love listening to music. No kidding, Phil. Really? Like, who doesn't? Well, it's not just the listening to it that I enjoy. There are many different forms of listening, aren't there? But one of the things I love uh, in the listening area of music is I love... And I and I have to I have to admit this is a rare occasion, but I love when I have the opportunity to simply sit and turn on something really complex musically that I have to listen to deeply, and you know, maybe turn the lights down a little bit and let it fill the room, and you can sort of feel the three dimensional aspect of the music. Uh, my favorite example of that kind of you know, three dimensionality that, that, that happens in music. Where you can hear every note and all you know individually, and all of them as one uh, is uh, Bach's uh, "Air on a G String," the pop name of it, so to speak. Uh, it's a beautiful piece that I use for my students to go and listen to 
the whole piece of music, listen to all the music at one, at one time. So uh, yeah, check it out. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a songwriter, so I'm, I'm not like strictly a classical buff. Um, I go by the Duke Ellington rule. If it sounds good, it is good. And I got that from my mentor in college and everything. So I can't take credit for, for having gotten it from Duke himself. Or I'm not that old. He died when I was five. Okay, number three thing I love about music is watching it. That is watching people play it. I love watching the, the communication going on on stage between a group of musicians. And they, uh, uh, you know, partly because I know what's going on. I can tell when they make a mistake and they like the, the, the glint in their eye and like, hey, yeah, thanks for playing through that, guys. Good, good work. But also the un, sort of the unspoken communication, a turn of the head towards somebody, boom, they, they know it's time to go to the next section of the song if we're in, 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 in an improvisational uh, place, etc. Uh, but it's just, I just love watching. You know, I, I, I don't care for the scissor kicks and, you know, the, the dance moves and that kind of stuff. I, I'm thrilled if you are. That's just, I'm, that's not why I watch. Um, I, but maybe because I'm jealous, I can't dance. Maybe slow dance with my wife at my wedding. So that kind of, I also sang to her on our first dance. I sang Sea of Love uh, to her as we, as we danced her. Stance. It was it was weepy and nauseating. I know. All right. So uh, number four, the twenty-five things I love about music. Number four, it's a world unifying device. So big fancy way of saying uh, it brings people together. I don't know if I need to go further in depth than, than that. I, I just I, I don't believe I've ever met anybody who doesn't listen to music. I have met people who aren't like passionate about it or, or even particularly excited about it, but then. You ask them what they listen to, they're like, well, you know, I just like some like new age on the car or when I'm working, you know, just whatever classical station. You know, maybe they're not particular about any kind of music. But I, I, I so far I don't think I've run into anybody who just just like, no, I just don't listen to music. And it would it would worry me if I if I did, because wow, what's what's wrong with you? Because music vibrates. You know, like like we vibrate. We vibrate down to the cellular level. And that's not some you know, fringe science thing I'm talking about there. At the atomic level, we are vibrating. And, uh, you know, music vibrates. Um, people who uh, lose hearing uh, are said to be able to feel the vibrations of the music. And, of course, if you stand in front of a, you know, sort of a, one of the uh, big, booming bass speakers, uh, you, can, you can feel it move the air because it actually does. Uh, number five thing I love about uh, about music, uh, the culture, and that is just the stories that it tells. Because what anthropologists call culture, the way they describe it nowadays, they say it's our stories. So all the stories in music are culture. And so uh, I, I, I just love uh, that aspect of it, the stories that the music tells about a particular culture, for instance, too. Um, uh, I, I'm largely Irish in, in, in you know, background, and the, the Irish music tells a lot of stories. In fact, it's very famous for that, and a lot of them are very humorous, and, and even when they're sad, they're kind of funny. It's kind of, it, it, it tells a lot about the spirit of, of the Irish people. It's, you know, like, ah, it's all going to hell in a handbasket, but I'm going to you know, say it cheerfully anyway, joke about it. Uh, and uh, but just yeah, just in general to the the stories of humankind now, 
are going to be our culture for the generations past us. So when people listen to the music that, that's coming out right now, that's going to be their identifier of the cultures we are part of now. You, you may, for instance, I, I find a lot of songs maybe 50 years from now, or 100 years from now even, they'll go back and listen to songs from the early 21st century, you know, or you know, from you know, 2019, 2020, or you know, up to that point, but especially right around now, 2019. I would guess there'll be a lot of songs you know, here moving forward that that address the overwhelming aspect of our world right now. There's you know, more than seven billion people, and we're all deeply connected through technology, and we're scared and fascinated by it at the same time. There's a lot of interesting conflict going on. Uh, and, and I don't mean like warlike conflict, I just mean the, the conflicting, you know, uh, feelings we're likely to have about stuff like this. And so, uh, you know, a hundred years from now, people will look back and go, oh, that, you know, this tells us a lot about the culture of the people of that time. So that fascinates me, clearly. <laughs> uh, this is a weird one, uh, number six, uh, the wallpaper effect. What is the wallpaper effect? Um, in, uh, in the music world that I'm part of, we call it, we call, we call certain gigs a wallpaper gig. That is, you're the band in the corner that nobody's really paying attention to. You're just paying, to, you're playing, to, you're getting paid to play. See how that little slip happened? You're getting paid to play music and, uh, you know, fill up the room with sound basically, but you're not intended to be directly entertaining people. Uh, I don't mind those shows, actually, in certain circumstances. Um, I don't mind going out, for instance, uh, at, at you know, 2 o'clock on a sunny summer day and standing under a tent so I don't burn in the sun and getting paid to stand there for three hours, generally ignored, uh, and get to practice. Because <laughs> that's what it feels like. I just get up there and play, you know, music for three hours. And I have, you know, bring some material I haven't worked on in a while. I play my stuff. I play stuff that I liked by other people. Uh, I'm not a songwriter that only plays his own material. I have a ton of cover material that I enjoyed you know, playing. You know, So that's a wallpaper gig, but I like the wallpaper effect. That is, what happens with music when we're not directly listening to it. How it affects our brain waves has been studied. So alpha waves, beta waves, theta waves are the three that I recall from some study I read like way so long ago I can barely remember the details. But uh, they, they show how uh, certain tempo, that is certain speeds of uh, songs, uh, will uh, affect uh, our, the work that we're doing. It can help us focus uh, at a, a certain kind of medium tempo, and this is, that is without lyrics, you know, instrumental work. Uh, then other um, other tempos will uh, obviously excite us. They're you know, faster tempo, keeps us excited and stuff. And you've done it, you know. You get up and you put on, you know, it's like a Saturday morning and you're in a good mood and you got, you know, maybe a work, regular work week and you're ready to go. It's a beautiful day and you turn on like some upbeat tunes. So we do it all the time, the wallpaper effect. Um, so I, I just enjoy it knowing about it and using it and that kind of thing. Uh, number seven, and this is similar to it's a world unifying device. It's a universal language. Music, it is. It's a universal language. When I was in college, I went to Spain for part of a summer to study guitar. 
I studied classical and jazz guitar just to be better than I need to be, you know, because I don't play stuff that advanced to speak of. And, uh, you know, so I, we, in the, like, 2 o'clock in the morning in Cordoba in Spain, southern Spain, in Andalusia is the area of the province. And uh, it's absolutely gorgeous. And there's me and a few of the guys I was traveling with, there were 11 of us from my college that went with our teacher, their classical teacher. And it's, uh, we're in the Plaza del Potro. The Plaza del Potro is an actual place, obviously, but it's also in the, the mythical book, uh, Man of La Mancha by Cervantes. Uh, the Plaza del Potro is where uh, Sancho Panza meets Don Quixote. You know, Don Quixote's uh, you know, assistant. Uh, or you know, to be sidekicks, so to speak, meet there. So it's like this historic place. There's, like, there's a Roman windmill down the street. And there's ancient mosque up the hill and a giant cathedral that's, you know, and then there's, it's just amazing, amazing place. And so we're in this this plaza and you can buy beer for like what it was about 75 cents out of a machine. So we're doing that, people playing music. And there's like 10 different languages being spoken. But music was what unified us all. So that's a favorite story of mine, definitely. Uh, a golden memory. Make golden memories, man. Don't, don't, by the way, I say man to everybody. Um, I I should, uh, people, human, I don't know. Uh, but uh, yeah, make golden memories. Make everything uh, a beautiful moment in your life. And uh, I hope that you make, you know, let music be a part of that. Uh, the number eight thing that I love about music is playing it. Uh, not surprisingly, but it's just very much like writing it. It's a very kind of youthful thing. keeps me excited and lively. And another thing that studies have looked at, you know, when I quote studies, please don't ask me to, like, where did I get that from? Because I don't remember where they came from because I read through things pretty quickly. Um, and I don't, like, save them. <laughs> so... Uh, but I'm sure you can find it. So people, when they're like kind of depressed, and I've experienced this myself, uh, they'll they'll go and they'll they'll play uh, if they play an instrument, they'll go play an instrument, and it will it will uh, it raise their spirits, and and they'll measure like brain waves when this happens too, and it, it, like there's more activity in the brain and in like all the right places. When we play music, uh, by the way, the whole brain lights up. And so it's very valuable for education. I'll be touching on that too a little bit. Um, I like uh, number nine. I like connecting music to things. Uh, when I taught in the schools, uh, is uh, through uh, in the Catholic schools here in Chicago, a couple days a week, I'd go in and teach basic appreciation, and I'd ask kids, "What do you want to do when you grow up?" And uh, they'd tell me, and I would connect that to something in music. Uh, for instance, uh, well, I want to be an athlete. Well, in Chicago, if you want to be an athlete, you know who Walter Payton was, one of the greatest football players that ever lived on the Chicago Bears. And, uh, you know, so I'm like, yeah, you know, Payton was, uh, uh, he studied dance and uh, he played drums. You know? So, you know, stuff like that. Um, number 10, I love watching kids play it because they get completely lost. It's a huge lesson in being an adult is to watch a kid when they really get into playing music. Um, uh, they completely don't care what anybody around them thinks. They don't even know you're there. They just kind of go and disappear into this bubble of music and enjoyment and 
you know, uh, that a lot to be learned right there from, from, from watching kids play music. Uh, of course, sometimes when they're put in like a recital situation or on a, you know, or a student performance situation, they can look like, you know, a deer in the headlights, as we say, but, uh, you know, uh, when they're really kind of, if you catch them on their own, uh, it's, it's really, it's a, it's a life lesson. Uh, number 11, the history. I like the history connecting. I love history anyway, so I love connecting history to music. So that one does overlap also with the culture aspect of it. So, I, you know, going back and looking at the history, not only of music itself, which is very fascinating, the history of the people in music is always very interesting. Um, there's often a lot more to them than they were just a, you know, a musician, you know, they just went to do this or that. Sometimes they aspire to something else, just like there are stories of actors and comedians and, and such that are very, it's very surprising. Lisa Kudrow was a pre-med student, very, very intelligent woman, and goes and plays Phoebe on Friends, you know, it's like a ditz, you know. <laughs> um, Bob Newhart was an accountant here in Chicago, and like, just had like, a, not even, he didn't even have a, a whole album of stuff uh, before, uh, he, you know, when he got asked to record a whole, whole album, so he had to quickly write some jokes, and that album ended up being, I think to this day, one of the biggest selling comedy albums ever and stuff. So those are stories that are always very fun. But also, um, you know, you can use it to educate uh, as well. Obviously, I'm a fan of education. Um, so, for instance, what was playing in Europe when the American Revolution was going on? Well, you know, Mozart. So you can do that kind of thing. You know? um, the math. What? Yeah, there's a lot of math and music. Uh, another thing for this one's one of the oldest studies on music showing that math and science scores improve in people who study music. Um, but that basically, to, to put it in a, an easy nutshell for you, the, um, the chord names that we have in music are basically mathematical formulas. So there's a whole, a whole lot of that going on. If you're a guitarist, there's numbers everywhere, man. We're fret number, string number, finger number. Um, and uh, then there's spatial intelligence looking at an instrument like a piano or a guitar, uh, you, you know, a, a fretted instrument of any kind. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, and, and spatial intelligence, I mean, give a trombone, there's spatial intelligence. You got to pull the slide this way or that. You got to know how far you got to remember. It's all reflex based whole bunch of physics going on i could go on all day and you know what's funny is i hate math so but i'm comfortably enough good with it i can use it so all right so i'm going to give you a, a real short break i'll be back hey how was your break mine was like two seconds long i i breathed and 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 thought for a couple seconds and looked at my list of 25 things I love about music, which I'm going to continue now. So 25 things I love about music. Number 13, teaching it. I, you know, a lot of people teach out of necessity, especially in the music world. Um, I actually really love it. Um, I, I, I enjoy, uh, again, much like the other aspects of, of playing and writing music and, you know, the, uh, the, the youthful aspect of it, the constantly learning aspect of it. I constantly learn things with, from my students. Um, not in the sense that I didn't know what I was teaching them, 
<laughs> but from the standpoint of uh, our discoveries, our mutual discoveries, as we're working through some piece of music. And of course, I also get introduced to all kinds of music. I, I, I'm never at a loss for what's going on in the world of music uh, in, in modern day. So I'm not like stuck in you know, my, my teen years or something. I have a good sense of what's going on, uh, which is very cool. I like that. I enjoy it. Um, but uh, yeah, teaching it is, is just a wonderful thing. Going and helping people find who they truly are and finding their own creative voice and watching that uh, uh, grow. And, and it's, I, I, it, it's, it, it'll, it'll make you weepy. So i move on. 25 things I love about music, number 14, the people who play it. Um, I just, what would we do without the people who play music? Now, I'm not tooting my own horn. I'm talking about I was inspired to play music because I was surrounded by people playing it growing up. But also, um, you know, if people weren't playing it, we wouldn't have any. And the people who write it, because that's number uh, 15, the people who write it. Um, because if people didn't write music, well, what would we do, right? So those are, yes, people that I am. I play it and I write it. Um, but I'm deeply appreciative for all the people that play and write the, the music that I listen to that has inspired me and the music that I continue to discover that continues to inspire me. And uh, I will hope you feel the same way. But, but just to encourage you, the number 16 thing I love about music is the people who buy it. I mean, yeah, no doubt, Phil, of course you like when people buy your music. Well, of course I do. But, uh, you know, uh, money is a tool that allows uh, me to continue to afford to be creative. Uh, I'm sure a lot of us, you know, a lot of people who, who lament money and, and would like the world to be a different place. That's a different conversation. Uh, the reality of the situation is that, yeah, we need money uh, to do stuff. And it gives us options when we have it. So certainly when you buy music, you are giving the people who, from whom you're buying it options in their lives, just like you have options with the money that, that you earn. Uh, for whatever you do and the options you know hopefully are not to be a, a greedy fathead hopefully the options are somewhere more along the lines of uh, i i can afford now to buy some newer car that gets better gas mileage uh, is less wasteful uh, i have the option to afford a healthier food uh, give myself a longer healthier life you know that's me that's the way i go after the, what i do with the money that, that comes my way um, you know, so, uh, but yeah, and then of course I came, I thought of that one, the people who buy it, because I am deeply grateful for the people that, that, that buy my music in whatever form, yeah, stream it, uh, buy physical albums in whatever form, format, uh, download whole albums, uh, just listen to it on the radio and, uh, you know, that helps too, especially if you contact them and go, Hey, I like that. Could you play it again? But yes, of course, I appreciate the people who buy it because uh, I'm, I'm, well, I'm not doing it for the money. I need the money to, you know, well, keep eating, keep doing it. And at this point in my life, man, I don't know how to do anything else. So <laughs> just all I can do is keep playing music and teaching it and loving it. So there's my little gratitude uh, and additional gratitude for number 17, the people who share music. Uh, that means uh, the, 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 the 
people who buy my music and share it with friends, whether their friends pay for anything or not. I appreciate that. I didn't write this stuff for it to be not heard. And I don't think there are any artists who do that. They may say that as an excuse for why they're not getting it out there. Um, and I don't mean excuse like there's something wrong with them, they're lazy, whatever's, and that kind of thing. There's a whole lot of, I don't know how to get things done uh, in the music industry, including with major record labels. They really don't know much about what they're doing. They haven't for a long time. But they know that if they keep pushing stuff out there and putting a whole lot of money behind it, enough of it will hit that they'll make enough money that they can keep going. Uh, but it's really like practically like a lottery with, with, with them. So, you know, it's, it's not particularly anybody's fault if their material isn't getting out there unless they truly are being lazy about it. Nah, I don't really know what to tell you then or tell them, honestly. Um, I, wish they, I wish they could be heard. I, I wish everybody had the option for their art to be shared. And so if you get your hands on anybody's work and you enjoy it, uh, please share. Because that's what it's for, right? Uh, number 18 of the 25 things I love about music, uh, even the people who critique it. Yeah, well, maybe it's easy for me to say because I don't think I've gotten a bad review. Um, that is, if I did, they didn't publish it because good critics, that's actually what they'll do. And I've critiqued music. I've been a music writer as long as I've been a working musician too. Uh, and so I've written reviews. If I didn't like it, I didn't review it. It's, you know... And, and that's from the standpoint if I didn't like it because it wasn't my style. And from the standpoint of if it was poorly poorly produced or poorly written or poorly performed, I didn't want to put it out there because I knew I wasn't going to be the only one that heard that. So you just you just shelf it, so to speak. But if it wasn't my style of music, on the other hand, but I appreciated that it was well-produced and well-written and well-played, then understanding the critic's real job, I would write about it with all of that in mind and educate the listener. That is the critic's real job is to educate the listener. Hey, if you're into this kind of music, blah, 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 this is extremely well done because et cetera, et cetera, and so on. That's the critic's real job. So I really do appreciate critics uh, and, and the work that they're doing. And I also know, again, from being on that other side uh, occasionally, that they're swamped. People in media are overwhelmed and underpaid. Uh, and, and so, you know, if you're an artist like myself, keep that in mind when you're sending stuff out. When you hear back from somebody, understand that like 70% of the people you send things to don't even get to open it. They don't even get around to it. And it's not like they hate you or it's a personal slight or anything. They're just overwhelmed. You don't manage to get to everything, you know. So when you find out somebody did get your stuff and did check it out, even if they say, hey, it's not right for my show, you damn well better thank them. Because one of the most powerful energies in the universe is gratitude. So keep having it. All right, 19, 25 things I love about music, discovering it. Uh, that is new music to me. Like I said, with teaching, you know, it's one of the things I really enjoy there. Um, the next couple kind of really go together. Number 20 and 21, the health benefits and the therapy. Um, recently, uh, I wrote a blog, uh, What's So Great About Music, in three parts I wrote it. And 
um, the second part talked about some studies I just found about Alzheimer's. Now, that's a special area to me because uh, my mom had dementia and my dad had Alzheimer's. That was a real difficult thing to watch. Um, they were both really outgoing people. Um, they were both public speakers and had been, had been teachers. And my mom was uh, the musician. And uh, her dad, too, my grandpa, uh, was literally 100 years ago, he was recording albums in Michigan. And then, uh, uh, you know, he was in college in, in 1919, and he had a quartet. And my mom was, uh, you know, also she did some recording, but mostly she was a writer and producer and performer, stage performer. Uh, watching them go from, from you know, with, with, with that, where my dad didn't know who I was at the end, and my mom knew who I was but couldn't really speak. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, keep an eye on things. So they found that, that music wakes up Alzheimer's patients to, to uh, the point where they might not know who you are, but they suddenly, they can sing along with a song, you know, that, that is from their, from their youth or something, you know, so they're, they're, they're watching this kind of stuff carefully. So they, they keep continue, continue to find the benefits of, of, of music and health. And I've seen firsthand the benefits of music with regard to what we call learning disabilities. I say what we call learning disabilities because I don't like it to be stigmatized by being called a disability. Um, you know, uh, it, 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 although I guess there's there's not a nicer word, so I guess we, we can stick with that. But, uh, you know, I've had physical health troubles all my life, and that one of them was asthma uh, to an extreme level on many occasions. And I never called it asthma disability. And when I've met students that had various disabilities too, I've asked them how they deal with it. And they deal with it with that same mindset. Well, I try not to consider it a disability. So I know it can be difficult uh, to, to have that constant labeling going on. Like there's something wrong with you. Because that's, that's the problem is that people will take that. I was nervous about letting people know that I had asthma because they think I was weak when I was a kid. So I'd have, be having an asthma attack and I'd just go ahead with gin, you know, keep running and hope, you know, hope I get enough breath, you know. It's, uh, it's a difficult thing. And the same is true with learning disabilities. I, I've, again, watching students of my own. But I've also watched these same students, uh, I've watched their grades improve in school from the benefits of working with music uh, and the way that it lights up the entire brain. It creates new pathways. This is, again, all stuff that they've done, brain scans, et cetera. So there's a lot of health benefits, and I'm sure I, 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 there's a whole bunch I don't know about. If you know about some, I really want to know. Please send me any information that you find about health benefits and music. Uh, and uh, another one of my episodes is uh, with Jorge Petrono, uh, who is a two-time Grammy-nominated musician that I met uh, in Sherman Oaks when I was recording an album in California. And I immediately... I, immediately uh, interviewed him because uh, he's doing a whole bunch of stuff about health. So that's a good one if that stuff interests you. Uh, and then the therapy of it. And again, I touched on that before. The therapy involved in music. My, I, I have a, a story about a DJ. So this is this pretty much, this story will pretty much nail it. Um, <clears throat> got a call from a guy here in Chicago who was playing my music. Um, and it's a long time ago now, 15, maybe 20 years ago. And he uh, he called me up and uh, just to thank me for my music. And I was like, well, well, sure, man, you know, thank you for playing it. He goes, no, you don't understand. I've been suffering from tremendous depression 
and getting suicidal, you know, uh, things have just been really coming to a point. And he said, I was standing up on the Ashland Avenue Bridge, which if you're in Chicago and you know where this is, the Ashland Avenue Bridge uh, by Clyburn, where it crosses the Chicago River right before Fullerton. So if you're ever in Chicago, you can go look for it too. Okay. Um, he said, I was standing on the Ashland Avenue Bridge. I wanted to throw myself in. And then your song came into my head. Uh, so which song? He said, A Life of Any Man. That's a really obscure song of mine, by the way. And it is about those very darkest moments. It's got some really heavy lyrics. Um, and it comes from that place that I've experienced myself that he was describing. And the reason it's called The Life of Any Man is I, I saw it flash before my eyes, The Life of Any Man. is the lyric, or there are the lyrics. He said, I realized I wasn't alone. That was the whole idea of the song. I was like, that's why I do this. There we go. So there's, what more do we need to know? And I'm sure that that's one of the million examples that many people can come up with how music has you know, made somebody's life just gain perspective, saved it and I'm very hesitant to say save somebody's life. Uh, we save our own life by the choices we make or don't make you know, but music can come in there and uh, yeah sure got me through a ton uh, the evolution of music I don't mind how it changes I'm not uh, uh, going you know, boy if we just had you know uh, another, if Led Zeppelin could just keep going or the Beatles could get back together, of course, much of this is difficult because there's people dead from those groups. But, <laughs> but uh, I love watching it evolve. I really do. I'm listening to, uh, you know, I don't listen to it uh, in the sense that I, I put it on, but I'm li listening to when I hear, you know, certain pop music uh, today. I'm hearing stuff in there that's like from Indian classical traditions happening. And I don't even know if the artists realize they're doing that. Maybe their producers do. I don't know. But we, we have so much music coming to us from all over the planet at any time we want to listen to it that it's really making for some very interesting styles of music. American music, uh, the evolution of American music, where we pretty popular contemporary music, that is. We, we like to think it's, oh, it's all blues. And it mostly is, but there's also a lot of uh, Celtic music in there and a lot of uh, Latin music in there. Uh, House of the Rising Sun is a classic blues slash folk, American blues slash folk song, and it has a Spanish uh, chord change in it, where if you're soloing over it, uh, for, again, for the musicians in the audience, if you're playing House of the Rising Sun, when that goes to the five chord, which means if you're in A minor, when it goes to the E or the E7, depending on which chord you play, you can play a harmonic minor scale. That's a Moorish scale. And Moorish because the Moors ruled Spain for a thousand years and uh, you know, then brought their music in there. And uh, then that came over here with the guitar, which is from Spain, and they say kind of Italy a little bit too. Uh, so yeah, it's fun to watch how it's gonna continue to evolve. Um, I really don't have a problem with the way that way it goes. Uh, number 23 things I love about music, uh, producing it. 
Uh, and that probably came up because I was making this list at the same time that I was producing, about to produce a, a new album of mine. And uh, it, But it really is, that's like an art form unto itself, so it's a whole lot of fun. And I love producing with other people. Uh, by producing it, I mean going in the studio and working through how we want to arrange it, uh, what instrumentation to put on it, that sort of thing. Um, there are many different kind of aspects of production that's the that's what i enjoy the most and uh number 24 thing i love about music making my living in it there's nothing cooler than doing what you love for a living let me uh just uh, remove any of the mythology though uh it's not living the dream there's a whole ton of work involved i am supposed to take tomorrow off i'm probably not gonna be able to take the entire day off because i've got work staring me in the face that i have to do to keep things moving forward but i do enjoy the outcome of it even the menial, tedious work, if I can't you know, get my assistant to do it or there's a time for my assistant to do it, uh, you know, it, it's still leading to something uh, pretty special. You know, by the time a performer hits the stage, 99% of the work is done. And of that 99% of the work that went into it, uh, maybe half of it was actual creative stuff. Uh, and of the creative stuff, a huge portion of that involves a lot of very tedious exercises and a whole lot of hard, hard work to become any good at it. When I get complicated, when I get complicated, well, I'm complicated, but when I get complimented by somebody uh, about my guitar playing, I thank them, of course, because I'm grateful that they appreciate it. Um, but if, if they go any further with it, I remind them that there was a whole lot of work went into it. And I remind my students of the same thing. You work very hard to become very good at anything. And uh, so if you're looking to do what you love, remember, you're the responsible party. Nobody else is. If you bust your ass for it, it will manifest what you're looking for. But there's a whole lot of hard work. Again, the outcome is just spectacular. So I really love making a living in, in music and, and in the things that I do. And the 25 thing, twenty number 25, that is, of the 25 things I love about music, this is where you come in. Uh, whatever your favorite thing about music is. So let me know. Tell me or share it or make a list like this of your own and shoot it out there. What do you love about music? If you love music, what is it you love about it? And thank you for loving it. And thank you for listening. And I hope you're having an amazing life. And I hope you will continue to do so. And uh, that about covers it. I'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening, everybody, anybody, whomever you are. Peace.